0: friends i'm jp
1: and i'm drew and you're listening to the broken but beautiful podcast where we talk about why church is still worth it jp we're back in your dining room recording another episode and i'm really excited about this episode you're going to introduce us to namayo who i have met before he invited me to speak at his church one time and i had a really good experience I've only met Namayo the one time, but I think he's an awesome guy, and I can't wait for our listeners to get to know him.
0: Namayo Kendrick's one of my favorite people. I've known him since 2009. I met him on a short-term mission, to, mission trip uh, to the United Kingdom, and we've been friends, I guess, the last 12 years. I like him because he's He's optimistic. He refuses to give in to cynicism. And so he's one of these guys, no matter what's going on, you get a text from him or a call, and you just kind of instantly smile because that's how he is. So he's done a lot in his life. He has several degrees degrees from TSU, degrees from Lipscomb, Dr. Namayo Kendrick over the last year. So that's exciting for him. He's a middle school teacher at Donaldson Middle here in the Nashville area. He's also one of the ministers at the Trinity Lane Church of Christ. And I love what he talks about in this episode because he, he has a posture on church that I think is very different from the way a lot of us frame it. We're very much caught up in this modern American type of, I go to church to be reaffirmed about my beliefs. I go to church to have my spiritual needs met. And Nehemiah is just really honest where he says, I went to church to get my life straight. (laughs) And he talks about (laughs) how he knew the Lord some grown up. And then he wandered away and he says, my life was not going the right direction and I knew it and I knew that I had to get walking with Jesus again and I couldn't do it alone. I needed a church to help me do that. And it reminds me a little bit I had a friend 10 or 12 years ago um, fall into drug addiction and he, he went to went to rehab for 30 days. And as he got out, I said, what's the plan? Like like what are you gonna do? And he said I'm gonna go to 90 meetings in 90 days wow i was like that's unbelievable because it was this sense of i need the accountability i know right and wrong but i need people to help me do it so I, I need that structure and i need that community and i think a lot of us forget that's one of the purposes of church is i i was telling this a few minutes ago like I I struggle to live a consistent life and fall through if I'm not held accountable. Like whether it's getting my work done, getting the yard mode, eating right, all that type of stuff. Like I need I need other people in my life. And and I love Namaya's testimony on this because we need each other. And I, I even find that my friends that have been that have been in recovery, various forms of recovery. They they come into church with that expectation and they're normally disappointed that most churches don't have that recovery mindset that like, hey, we need each other to hold accountable. And some of that is because and Namayu even said how like his church welcomed him when he was coming out of his situation. I don't know that all of our churches do that well. Like I've I've been blessed lately. I've been teaching a Tuesday night class at the prison. And one of the exciting things that's happened recently is one of my students is about to get out of, of prison. And I keep thinking, I wonder if he'll be able to find a church that accepts him. You know, he's a criminal record. You know, will there be a church that accepts him and welcomes him? Nehemiah's story is different, but he talks about his life was not going the right direction, but he had a church that accepted him and held him accountable to the ways of Jesus. So we're
1: excited to hear from Nehemiah Kendrick and the different ways that Church has helped provide structure for his life, even when it was not going in the direction that he was expecting. So let's get into the interview.
0: (laughs) Namayo, great to see you. Hey, how you doing, JP? Doing well. I'm glad we're finally getting to have this conversation. Well, let's start off, if you don't mind telling folks just about your background, when you came to know the Lord, and just kind of maybe a summary of your spiritual journey. All
2: right, all right. My, my spiritual journey begins with my family. Uh, my father, who's deceased now, he died when I was about six years old. He had some, some mental issues that kind of led to, to his death. But my mother was the spiritual leader, so to speak, uh, led him to the church. So they started it started at home. They were sincere about it. Music had to be, it couldn't be like a lot of secular music. Um, my dad would read the Bible before before passing. My mother, she wasn't perfect, but she was very serious about Christianity in our home. And I think, I don't, I guess she needed, she felt like she needed the, needed the Lord's help to make it. But I, I guess a part of that is she also wanted just a, a guiding principle for her home and, and us as children. Over the years I I was raised in churches and and we went to any church that was, my mother felt was kind. So she's a single mother with three children. Um, She got remarried when I was around 15. So my stepfather introduced us to the Churches of Christ and that's how we got to Tennessee as well. Uh, From there, oh, you know, the Church of Christ, they were laying those scriptures out. (laughs) And I was, and it was just interesting though because all my time we're going to church, no one had ever like taught me scriptures behind practice. Like okay. we do this, here's a scripture to go with it. We do this, here's a scripture, and even even when I took a, a vacation from the church hiatus, I still rem- remember those scriptures. So I'd be in the middle of just doing the craziest things, but those scriptures were always with me. I can remember uh, church being brought up, and with my when I say my friends, I mean like my little thugs we used, I used to hang with. But in my mind, I could I could still like hear the scriptures in my mind to say, "Well, actually." And I may say something, I may not, but it stuck to me. I was I wasn't gonna. Uh, the Church of Christ took me in through scripture. Uh, when I when I returned to church, I was twenty years old, and um, I got rebaptized at the age of twenty. Uh, our preacher was he was a dynamic speaker. And, you know, he just, he made it plain and clear. I need to be baptized. And um, at this point, I'm 38 years old and I'm I'm still faithful with a wife and two children now. Does that, does that answer the question? How did I leave out?
0: Yeah, no, that? that's great. And, and my, one of the things we like to do on the podcast is, is start with the brokenness, but just kind of grieve together. I mean, you've been, as you mentioned, you've been a part of a lot of different churches and then you had, you know, some. Some really good experiences in terms of coming to faith, and then you've been in ministry. So, how, how long have you been in ministry at churches? Oh, wow, that's well. Whether you were actually called a minister or you were a, a very active volunteer, just how long has that been?
2: Yeah, I feel um, I feel like I've been ministering since I've been baptized. It's interesting because I talked to a a, a friend of mine uh, not long ago, and he's more so a mentor. And he was he was like you know something I guess not everybody's not everybody's the same meaning some people get in there and they're ready to go mm-hmm. and some people um, they come and they and they got like a list of I, I don't do that I don't do that and I don't do that but I I don't know maybe I, I will do this one thing or maybe I won't do that but but where I came from JP the the, the state that I came from as far as state of being. I was really doing bad. And um, I tell everybody I, I've envisioned like prison, like in the near future of my life, uh, like, you know, you're just sitting back and thinking and you're just, sometimes you can see where your life is headed. And I, I used to prepare my mind for for prison, dealing with inmates, other inmates. And so one, I, w- I was just very appreciative mm-hmm. to be a, a part of the church. And I, and I naturally, I guess, was pretty energetic. But the the change in my life that was created through being a Christian, man, it was it was a drastic drastic change because I went from uh, one being a criminal, committing criminal acts and considering prison in my future, to you know um, hanging out with good, decent, honest people, <laughs> eating meals together and and laughing and going to parks and stuff like that. So I was I could I could naturally see the change. I feel like I've been ministering since I, I became a part of it. I think I preached my first sermon maybe within my first year of being there. I don't think it went too well, <laughs> but <laughs> nonetheless, I was, I was willing, but you know, I was like, yeah, I, I will, I will get up there and speak for the Lord. That's how I look at it. Like, will you do this for the Lord? Of course I'll do, do it for you, Jesus. Cause look how much I've not done for you. I've done for Satan on behalf of evil. Um, of course I'll do that to, to help this move forward. And I, and I, I think i just keep that same spirit mm-hmm. well what was it like when you came to know the lord you started hanging out with different people and you got very
0: involved in church did you have experiences though in those first couple of years where you're like what kind of experience with the hypocrisy of church where, where it was challenging so it's like i thought this group of people was going to be different but yet this group of people is not perfect did you have experiences like that
2: the only problem i had i had a problem with the brothers always having the same answers so I like to hear like honest answers. I want to hear like every, I want to hear what you have to say. And I don't want to start any controversy, but you, whatever you asked about, all the brothers would have like the same answer. And I'd be going like, how? Y'all are like six different people. How all how <laughs> are all six of you saying the exact? Because um, at this point, I'm more comfortable. The Bible is read and interpreted. It does not speak for itself. So you have to take those scriptures Mm-hmm. and and read them and understand them for yourself and compare it to the other prior knowledge that you have in the, com- the comparative knowledge. And I spend like forever asking questions. But the other thing was they always felt the need to know the answer. Okay. And and I'll be like, like, oh, so you know that. And then things changed for me when I got to study in theology. And some of like the people that studied like the Bible all day, they would sit yeah. there and ponder things and say, that's interesting. Uh, let's consider this. Let's consider that. And then I would go back and i say, they're at this university where they get paid to read and interpret and, I'm not, and take on these new understandings. How are y'all not at the university, but you know everything and you never have a, I don't know. But one time I was able to, to get one of the brothers And I asked questions, I asked, and I think I was, we were referring to to Esau and Jacob. And I think I stomped him on a question. He finally said, you know, you hate to say it, but sometimes you have to say, I don't know. And I said, I think my words were, I've been going to this church for nine years waiting to hear somebody say, I don't know. And I find, and I just got it. And it took a study in theology to figure out quite enough questions to get a, I don't know. And that was one humble person. I'm not sure about the other ones. I didn't, I didn't get it. I don't know from them. (laughs) So that's, 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 that was my only thing. But other than that, I'll be honest, I was just happy to be learning so much Mm -hmm. going in the right direction because it was so much cleaning up I had to do for my life. I was really at the, at the bottom. I didn't come in with a lot of money, a lot of status. Uh, things weren't just going so great for me. So I was just happy to, to have my feet pretty much on a solid foundation. And they really were teaching me uh, manhood. And I, and when I say manhood, I mean being able to how to carry yourself, mm-hmm. not how to not depend on money and, and attitude and anger or swagger, as some people might say, to get through a day. But can you just be an honest man? Can you be nice to, to ladies? Can you be nice to another gentleman? how can you, can you conduct yourself? So I was, I was always learning so much. I didn't even have time to complain.
0: That learning was that through direct
2: teaching or was that their example or was it both? It was both because I would say stuff that was inappropriate and it would show my immaturity. Like every time I think, I think we call them gaps and they'd be like, like, Oh man, why'd you say that? And then it'd be, and then I had, I had a great big brother in the church. I'll give him credit. He knows, Uh, Matter of fact, he's my crucible, but Don Miller, because he was, he was a little older than me, but he was so witty and and sharp and, but he was as street as I was. So he would, I say stuff and he would just humiliate me like all the time. And it'd be so confusing because I'm trying to be a Christian and not fight because I have a new walk in life, but he would just, his words would just be shredding me to, to pieces. So you just have to be able to handle yourself Mm -hmm. and manage and and say, I can't outthink this guy. And you really, I would would really like take a beating mentally, like every time I saw him, but then he'd come back and be like, Hey man, how's it going? You want to go hang out and do this? And I'd be like, this is my friend because I no longer have my worldly friends anymore either. So, but it was, I I feel like he was, the Lord was just prepping me to be a teacher Mm -hmm. in many ways. It was things like that where I was so behind the, I, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't, Catching like the blunders of church, I was just trying to to learn how to grow up and, and mature into the, the man that the Lord had in place for me to be. Like I said, I was learning so much, I didn't have time to find the the missteps of the church. I I was uh, I was I was on the chopping block for like the first five years, just trying to. I was just learning like how to say the right word. And don't forget, uh, my father had passed, so I, I imagine there's some lessons that I maybe missed along the way. And then when I like once you get to church, you know, you're surrounded by like. 15 men, 40, 40 strong women, and then it's you at all times. And, and we were close-knit. So you just, like, everything you say, and hey, that, that was, I had enough to deal with on my own without worrying about what, what was happening on the, on the church. JP, I
1: was really struck by these words from Namayo that when you asked him where was a place or a time where you looked at church and you thought these people are not perfect his first reaction was to say that or to recall when he looked at different people in his church and said they think they have all the right answers all the time <laughs> or or for some reason they they never ask i might not know this but i can go look it up but for some reason they always had an answer ready to go in their pocket and in his mind he thought how do you have it all together how (laughs) how does how do you always have the right answer ready to go and I think that there are probably people who are listening to this podcast who have had a similar experience and it's like how how can you how can I be struggling with this deep thing and all of a sudden you just have the answer pulled out of maybe it feels like thin air I can see how that might be frustrating in some ways for Namayo but also confusing in for some ways for someone like Namayo.
0: And I think what he gets at is we want communities that don't just write down the correct answers on a note card. And then when you come in, well, I'll just hand you the note card. And you've, you, you now possess all the right answers. But we grow through our discovery of who God is. And we grow through our discovery of who God is in community. And so it's not just <laughs> one of my daughters came home the other day and she had missed some points on a quiz because she had the right answer, but she didn't show her work. You know, mm. you remember those days? Yeah, And so the teacher wanted her to show her work because it's the process of how you got there. That is meaningful. What I hear Namayo is saying is he was on a journey to know God and be changed by God. And he was totally blown away by this community that molded him in so many ways. And yet it was frustrating at times when they just want to give him the answer because he's like, no, I want to know how you got there. And to know how you get there, it's going to involve a little messy. There's a little ambiguity. There's a little there's a little not knowing on the way there we're not always comfortable with that and
1: i i I totally understand the temptation or the need to always have the right answers ready to go because a lot of times in life we encounter things that we were never prepared for but we want to be prepared for them or we just we want to have that thing in our pocket that we can go to i understand that temptation but i i I definitely understand what namayo is saying where he's like Well, help me get there. Mm -hmm. Don't just hand me the answer. Help me to know what what we're talking about, not just in mind, but in body and in spirit. And help me walk through that. I'm grateful to hear that Namayo wanted that deeper understanding
0: and not just the intellectual understanding. One of the things, anytime I enter a new community, one of the first things I'm trying to process is, is this a place where people can tolerate a challenging question. Mm. And there are some settings where they just cannot tolerate a hard question. I was talking to a friend once and I said, I want, and I was specifically talking about the teenagers of our church. I said, I want all the teenagers of our church to know that they can ask any question. No Mm. question is off limits. And I want to tell them that. Yeah. And he said, you can tell them that and that'll be helpful for them to hear it. But telling them that doesn't affect it they either know you do or they know you don't right? (laughs) based on how they see everyone else behaving to those questions. And uh, this is one of those where our actions really lead the way. There are other settings where they celebrate the fact they can tolerate hard questions so much that all we ever get is questions and we Mm -hmm. never get answers. You know, I had a friend a couple of years ago, he left the church he was at and asked him why. And he said, cause everything was up for grabs Every Sunday. Yeah. (laughs) So there was no stability. And I was like, oh, that's a church that they were doing a good job at asking questions, but there was so little stability. I think there's this balance that Nehemiah is pointing to that, yes, like we need tangible, stable truths. And yet we need to have this open path of discovery so we can see each other out there. We can ask questions. I have a buddy that I'll call a lot and say, hey, can I talk out loud for a second and I may disagree with myself five minutes from now, <laughs> but is it, can I talk it out with you? And I can with him. And I'm thankful I have that relationship. I, I wish more of our churches could be that way. Yeah. And Namaya was, was saying, I was just
1: waiting for someone to say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And to hear someone else say, I don't know. I feel like that probably was something that he could actually relate to. Yeah. Cause he's like, you don't know. I don't know. Great. At, I feel more human, or I I feel like I'm maybe a part of this community now that we can struggle through some of that together. I I, <laughs> I remember a class I was sitting in one time, and one of my classmates looked at the teacher and said something along the lines like, "You keep saying I don't know a lot, but you're the, but you're the teacher. Is there anything that you don't hedge your bets on?" And the teacher thought for a minute, and he said, "No." <laughs> <laughs> and, and I looked at the my classmate and you could just see the frustration because mm-hmm. he was like, I'm here and I want to learn but when someone keeps saying, I don't know, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, it's almost like you're going, well, is there a right answer? Mm-hmm. There's, I, mean, I think we all go through seasons of life where we go, I keep getting the I don't knows I keep getting the maybes, I keep getting Mm -hmm. the hedging of answers, but I I need to know an answer. And then there are other seasons in life where we're like, you're you're pretty certain
0: about that, but that's pretty contrary to my experience. And it's interesting that he says this because he's not craving a wishy-washy atmosphere. I mean, he talks about how he comes to this church because he wants to get his life on the right path. I was really blown away by his testimony because it's it was just cut and dry. It was like, JP, my life was going the wrong direction. I, I knew my life was going the wrong direction. I had to get on the right path. And he craved a community that would hold him accountable, that would tell him the truth. So when he says, I've been waiting on somebody to say, don't know, he's not like, oh, I want this morally relativistic church that's just you know turned over the apple cart all the time. He's like, I, I'm looking for a humble, approachable group of people who will hold me accountable and tell me when I've crossed the line, like this church and I'm, I'm not, I don't know which specific church this was that he's talking about. They had a definitive view of who they wanted to be in Christ Yeah, that they held each other to. And when our lives are unstable, we crave that. We crave a community that sets up guardrails. I can think of several occasions in my life where I wasn't approaching church where I could have these intellectual conversations that would be patted on the back. I approached church as my life is struggling. Help me set up some spiritual guardrails so I can stay on the path.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, let's continue on in our interview where we uh, listened to Namayo talk about what else he gained from being a part of this community.
2: tough thing that was that that was hard for me to get over was when my grandfather passed though he was had been the, the one constant male in my life and the thing about it is he got he he had a brain hemorrhage mm. and we knew about it and then we were praying and we as we prayed at the church praying my family's praying and then he still passed I think that was that was difficult mm. because I I really thought he was going to be healed and brought back to life and that was like that was my one like male that I had as well, you know. And then my I had my my grandfather who was always there for me, and then he he passes away, mm-hmm. and that right there was was weird because, you know, we just felt I just felt like he was going to come through uh, with the prayers of the church and everything. But I remember on that Sunday, you know, the preacher of the preaching, and I just I just walked out the church and. I just, I went to the parking lot and just went to my car. Somebody came out there and started talking to me and I I found out they were looking like through the blinds. But um, that was one, that was was difficult.
0: You mentioned how the church helped you grow up, become a man, become an adult. What are some other kind of beauties of the church that you've experienced? Just some things that you're really grateful for. And obviously you're putting a lot of time into making sure that your children are growing up in church and that your son and daughter are having that experience. So what, what is, what are the good things you've experienced that you're hoping your kids experience those same things?
2: I, I, man, I one I felt in complete love with God. His word was just so powerful for my life. And just like, I could see it and the things that God gave me, nothing could compare to it. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I was a I was a college dropout, um, had some things on my record, and and with God, once I stepped through those church doors, I had a family, you know. And what so this is interesting for JP and I'll try to give it to you the right way. But so when I went through those doors, one I wasn't like heavily light, so to speak. Okay. And and you know everybody appreciated me, but I came to I, I went through those doors with the, kind of a street mentality. And I never I didn't grow up like trusting people. And now, I, for the most part, I, I trust people. But it was like I remember like two years, like after going to church, like on just a regular basis, I'm sitting there and the, and the preacher's preaching. and He's doing like a great job, too. And I'm like, this is a good message. But I don't know what happened. But as some people say, the scales fell off my eyes. But I finally I like looked around and the way they had been treating me. And the way that the church had just taken me on, I was like, man, I looked at a lady and I was like, She's, that's like my auntie. <laughs> and I was finally able to see, and I, I was counting the, the the guys as brothers because I, I have two sisters. I've never had brothers. But so I already counted them kind of like brothers I never mm-hmm. had. And I was like, man, I, all this time I've been feeling like, I'm bringing so much to the table. Really, I'm not bringing crap. They don't even need me. And it finally just it just came across like they have accepted me and these are like this is my family. These ladies are like my mothers and aunties and sisters. These guys are like father figures and I just and once that happened, I was like I don't have to guard my money anymore. They're not here to get my money. They're not here to take advantage of me. These people genuinely are happy with, with or without me. Of course, they'd take me if they could, but outside of church or at least the world, I'll say that the world will, will chew you up and spit you out and keep moving and and just have no regard. And But once I was able to see that the church is not like that, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, I really, I was already, I was in love with God at previous to that. But at that point, I really was in love with the people, you know, and I, and I could trust running up to them and hugging, shaking hands, and cracking jokes a little better. I didn't feel like we're trying to see who's tougher, who's smarter, who who has more value. It, that was out the window at that point. It became a thing of, "Hi, you know, what are y'all doing?" And, and I could totally relax. That's when when that happened. That was that was a big point, changing point for me.
0: Was that about two years in or a year in to being at church? How long did that take?
2: Yeah, it was about I would say about two to three years in. That I finally was able to realize I, I'm not data, they, then no one's after my money. <laughs> 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 and I already, you know, you know, you walk in and you gotta remember, uh, well, you you don't know, and I'm not, I'm kind of ashamed to say it, but you know, I I was a criminal, you know, and I wasn't like a major criminal. Like I didn't extort any any yeah. families for money or stuff like that, but I was I was in like criminal behavior to to earn money, to be tough. And it's, that's just something that i somewhere along the line I, I picked up. So, but you bring that mentality into the church with you, so to speak. And you're 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 looking in a in a worldly mindset. And um, I guess, I guess the scriptures say to, to the defiled, everything's defiled, to the undefiled, everything's undefiled, so to speak. But one day it just, you know, I was able to see, like I'm not sizing them up. And all this time I thought they were like sizing me up. And I'm like, man, you're an idiot. They don't, they don't even care. They're, they're just happy to be Christians. And and once I was able to be like in the group at that point mm-hmm. and go sit next to my, to people without any guard, I was, I was able to just to relax and, and see everyone as family. And, um, and that was, uh, that was a, that was a powerful experience. And, and at this, at this point, I'm just so indebted to God because you still have to remember where I came from, a place of envisioning prison. So now I just received a doctorate and I don't count myself to be, you know, I just did it because I knew God was with me. And I was saying, I was like, God, let me see if we can do this together. And I'm just I'm looking to cross some some boundaries with the Lord just so I can brag about the Lord. And say, look where I, who I used to be, y'all remember that? Now look at me now with the help of the Lord, and I can I can tell everybody about it and just kind of be a, a shining light. So one, I'm just so indebted to him, and I man, how could I leave now? You know that would be so rude, and um, and I, I just don't think people realize where they would be at without God. You know, and um, I guess some people have been able to to carve out a, a good life without him, but for me personally, I was not able to do so. So. All my blessings have literally come through God. Meaning, the manhood that I've been able to to rise up and grow into. My wife, I met her at the church. I was I was married at the church. My my children when they were born, the first like one of their first places was the church. I used to take my dates to church and say, "You gonna be with me? You know, you have to be at the church." And look 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 who I am now. I went from being uh, young Mayo to I'm Dr. Kendrick, or I don't even care about the doctor.
0: What a powerful testimony. Well, it sounds like you have a very descriptive way of saying, this is who I was and the path I was on. And then I met, I met the Lord and I knew of the Lord, but I truly met him, mm-hmm. uh, became a follower, a disciple, and then life started going a different direction. And the church was kind of involved with all that. So it, it sounds like for you, it's almost impossible for you to separate Jesus from the church. Like those two things are just so enmeshed with one another. It's, it, w- it would almost be, cha- it would be challenging for you to say, I'm going to follow Jesus outside of the church.
2: I could, man, the, oh my goodness. That's exactly right. And I didn't know that. I think I knew that I may have known that, but the way you were able to kind <laughs> of put that all in a capsule, what my point of it is this, what if you don't have honest hearted Christians who are endowed with wisdom, helping you make like, as a young person, helping you make decisions, and then help you make decisions when you're in, in dire straits or when mm-hmm. you're in these situations that where it's a lot at stake and you're getting a little antsy, you're getting a little impatient, and it's so easy to rip to the left or rip. Or it's so easy to make a bad decision, and which I would say most humans are always surrounded by these situations, but you got some Christians to say, just don't worry about that right now. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about that. And, and they can say it with an honest heart. In a in a honest answer, and not 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 a jiving type answer.
0: Yeah. So. Well, this has been powerful. Do you have do you have a final word or anything you wanted to mention that we didn't get to? We've gotten some really good stuff in.
2: Really? No. Um, I'm happy. i thank you for for uh, allowing me to do this podcast with you. I hope it's been a blessing um, for wh- whoever listens to this. Um, wow. You know, it's just it's always good to just recap the situation into. Sometimes hear my situation uh, through through your words and how you how you hear it and interpret it, um, but yeah, I've been I've been nothing is supposed to be perfect, and that's what I was trying to convey. That I don't expect things to go perfect because, it, you know, it's life and and um, Satan is 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 just as real, but that has nothing to do with God because mm. God's love is good and pure, but you know. We mess up and and but God makes things okay.
1: If you've been listening to our podcast for any length of time, you will not be shocked to hear us use words like church is family or church provides good healthy, supportive community for us. Uh, it's a big part of JP's book that he wrote where he talks about uh, after the death of his mother, the church stepped in and played that role of his mother. Well, we heard something similar from Namayo where Namayo talked about how his father died early in life and so his grandfather kind of became a father figure for him, but then his grandfather died and how the church steps in and provided multiple other father figures for him and i love Namayo's story about how he had been going to church for two years mm-hmm. and it took two years for him to realize that he just looked around and said i have aunts and uncles here mm-hmm. i have brothers and sisters here i have mother figures and father figures and male figures and female figures here for me that i'm very grateful for and they expect something of him, but he is also not the center of their life, which I thought was really interesting that, mm-hmm. that he's, he said that he's like, I could not be here. And they would go on just as fine without me. But, yeah.
0: but the fact that I'm here, they invest in me. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really beautiful thing. Really beautiful. And I love how when he's struggling with his grandfather's passing, he says he gets up and leaves. He goes out in the parking lot and somebody comes out to him. And I don't know what that conversation was like or what that person even said, but this idea that when we lose people that are close to us, will the church follow us out into the parking lot (laughs) to be family with us? And I had a student just recently that said, hey, I really want to get together and talk to you about something. And we got together and he was wrestling with his faith and trying to figure out what he believed and where he fit in terms of church and various things. And he said one of his big struggles was his grandfather got sick with cancer and they prayed and prayed and prayed and his grandfather still died. And he was, he was wrestling with why would God allow bad things to happen? That, that thing. But what struck me, I mean, I don't have a a clean and tidy answer of why that happened. And what struck me though, is he was missing his grandfather. And yet he felt a need to talk to me and I can't be his grandfather, but his grandfather represented the face of Christ to him. On this earth. And I realized as I was meeting with a student, as I was having lunch with him, my role is here not to give him all these specific answers on why this bad thing happened, why this tragedy happened, but rather, how can I, in the words of Namayo here, how can I follow him out into the parking lot mm. <laughs> and be the face of Christ to him and give him a hug and a handshake and more importantly, be like Jesus to him? I'm thinking about some things that have been happening at my
1: church in the last number of months. Uh, we've had people who are coming to be a part of our community who are coming out of prison systems or out of drug and addiction situations, and they are coming in. I was going to say they're becoming a part of our church, but they are a part of our church. We have been welcoming, welcoming them in and trying to be family to them. And the number of them have been baptized and are giving their lives over to Jesus, which is beautiful. So we've had some of those baptisms happening recently, and we've been having kids in our youth group that are being baptized and other adults. And every time one of these baptism events happens in our worship service, a really beautiful thing happens. We invite that person up onto the stage. We invite their family onto the stage, their extended family onto that stage, and anybody who feels like they've been family to this person so we've got people from small groups we've got people who are parents best friends we've got just just anybody that can come and we fill that stage to the brim and it's beautiful because it's it's a reminder of here's my community here are the people who have been the face of christ to me to use the language that you you just used jp And I think that's a really, really beautiful thing about being a part of a church community is that we have people here who are going to support us Mm -hmm. and love us and walk with us in the baptism that just happened. It was a middle schooler who was baptized. (laughs) And one of the beautiful things that happened was this middle schooler grew up in our church and we even had a baby dedication for him when he was born. There was, we, they pulled out the blessing that was prayed over him when he was born. Oh, wow. And was read to him at his baptism here. And it was just a really beautiful image of what happens when you're a part of a community like that. Yeah. You can be born into that community and you can be reborn as a part of that community. Mm-hmm. And what Namayo has been talking about today, he said, I think I've found that
0: in my church. And I'm so thankful for his testimony because Namayo reminds us. It takes some time. He made an investment back yeah. to that. I looked around after two years and realized. So it didn't happen overnight. Right. He made the hard investment. But secondly, he seeks to do that for other people. And so I look in my life. The church was my mother when I needed a mother. The church was Namaya's father when he needed a father. And now I participate in church, not just because I continually need the church to be my family, although I do. Mm-hmm. But because I know there's another JP, there's another Namayo coming in this week or next week who needs family and this idea of being family for each other, being the face of Christ to each other. So, so Jesus can change all of us, you know, back to what Namayo is saying. So we can, we can get our lives on the path that God has called us to. And I'm thankful for Namayo's
1: reminder that he stayed and it was worth it.